welcome to the ALN podcast series. If you like what you're hearing, you can find this and other podcasts, videos, papers, and more at assetleadership.net. Today's episode is brought to you by the Andrew James Advisory Group. AJAG provides training in the ISO 55000 standard, and our world-class training qualifies students to take the ALN A55K certification exam, an industry recognition of an individual's knowledge of the standard. Certified individuals add value to any organization's asset management initiatives. Realizing your ISO 55000 vision need not be painful. Visit us at www.andrewjamesadvisory.com to see how we can help. Now, enjoy the podcast. And today, we actually have uh, uh, Malik Brum, who is, uh, has, has joined us on that topic uh, previously. So uh, that's a, perhaps we'll re revisit that a little bit. But uh, I have to say, uh, I was especially pleased when uh, I made connection with Malik uh, because he works for Fairfax County and I live in Fairfax County. And I have uh, at a couple times in the past tried to figure out who is doing asset management for the county I live in. Because it's, it's a big county and one of the wealthiest counties in the country. And we should be doing asset management. And it turns out we are. So uh, uh, welcome, Malik. It's great to have you uh, join ELN Thursday at 4 today. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. Yes, I do work for Fairfax County Park Authority, and I am their uh, asset manager. Um, it is uh, always a uh, pleasure to be here with you guys. And uh, there's always good discussion and good conversation. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've become, uh, Malik and I have, uh, uh, have occasional chats that we get into some really interesting stuff. Yes, indeed we do. Indeed. Uh, so we usually we start with an origin story. Uh, so how'd you get into asset management? How'd you get, how'd that lead you here today? So um, actually, I went to school uh, to uh, become a civil engineer. So my training is a, a civil engineer with focus in structures, foundations, and construction. And uh, when I came out of school, I was uh, designing residential uh, subdiv uh, subdivisions and uh, commercial developments. And over the years, I ended up um, working in every different part of the asset life cycle from design to construction to managing construction to construction closeout commissioning and turning over to uh, operation folks or uh, owner operator um, and uh, did even did work with the um, different departments of transportation um, doing uh, bridge inspection um, uh, for a number of years, uh, did that, which is, uh, the condition assessment part of the asset management oh, yeah. Yeah. and also, um, ancillary highway structures. And, uh, finally, uh, after, uh, a while I, uh, decided to join Fairfax County. And, um, uh, then I was the owner's representative part of the asset, asset life cycle. Um, after which I, uh, was uh, working for uh, uh, public works. And now I was the basically the operation part of the asset life cycle. And we had assets that uh, builders would build and turn over to us. And uh, it was storm 
uh, conveyance systems. And uh, my branch was responsible for condition assessment, monitoring and CCTVing and all of that. And uh, eventually my journey landed me at the park authority where they were uh, looking for an asset manager to oversee the asset management program with a total cost of ownership um, perspective in mind. So uh, you could say I've done uh, up until about a few years ago, um, I was doing the focusing on different pieces at a time. And uh, it, it just, it all fell together to look at the holistic point of view of, okay, not just construction, not just design, not just operation, but let's zoom out and kind of look at the big, big picture. Yeah, I have a, a favorite old teaching story that uh, that I I think of often is uh, a, a short version of a, is someone that just through their life experience, uh, you know, in ancient times it, it was set in, but uh, picked up all these individual skills uh, just you know through the randomness of life, uh, and in the end it turned out that uh, they were uh, they. Took all their individual skills and figured out how to make portable tents uh, big enough for an army. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and uh, and uh, became a favorite of the emperor, or whatever. But uh, you know, just an example of you know, you never know where it's going to go, uh, or at least I never knew where it was going to go. But. No, and and uh, you know, there are times that uh, you're uh, crawling through a. Uh, 300 linear foot of culvert that's half sedimented wondering your life choices <laughs> you know but it's nice that uh, uh you know like you said after um uh time passes by and you kind of uh step back and you look at all how all these different puzzle pieces fit together and uh, what i uh really enjoy about uh, asset management is you have the ability to focus on different um the diversity of the portfolio that I'm dealing with right now. One day I could be uh, working with folks who are focusing on historic buildings. And, you know, what does that mean? What does what that to asset management? Uh, you know, from an asset management point of view, there is no life expectancy for a historic building. It's infinity. So, you know, we're supposed to maintain it into uh, perpetuity. Um, or you could have a conversation with uh, someone who is maintaining equipment and how do we can do condition assessment on movable assets and equipment. So it's always interesting. It's always uh, dynamic and it kind of allows you to uh, be challenged and uh, flex those parts of your uh, background, which are technical, but at the same time, figure out how to work with the different moving parts and um, uh, learn from people and uh, teach people. So that's another enjoyable part of the asset management life that I like. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a big part of what the ALM is about. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's great just to have people from different uh, backgrounds and sectors and environments, uh, you, know, it's, you know, diversity to the nth degree uh, is, is really awesome because it really informs and, and brings so much to the equation. But so tell us a little bit about Fairfax County Parks. I mean, it's like, 
what do you have uh, two parks and uh, three cars or something or like yeah just about that so um, our port we're, Fairfax County Park Authority is the largest landowner in Fairfax County um, we have about over 23,000 acres of land uh, parkland and uh, our uh, portfolio of assets includes everything from um, golf courses to driving ranges to uh, rec centers. Um, we have, uh, as I mentioned, historic houses. We have uh, natural nature preserves uh, that um, uh, are, we have visitor centers that people go visit for bird watching, for enjoying nature. For example, Huntley Meadows Park is a boardwalk on top of a wetland, which is beautiful. Um, we have uh, uh, lots of uh, movable equipment er, in, that we manage. Um, uh, anything from gators to mowers to backhoes or dump trucks. Um, and uh, also a num large number of uh, uh, horizontal and linear assets. So horizontal assets like uh, uh, hundreds of uh, athletic fields, um, baseball diamonds, uh, synthetic turf fields, um, playgrounds for different ages, you know, um, mm -hmm. The, uh, the, the, it's a fairly um, long list of things that uh, we manage and run. <laughs> wow. We have so, over 400 parks. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I live near Meadowlark Gardens, which is a botanical garden that's maintained by the county and by citizens volunteering time to do work there. Uh, uh, you know, and that's an amazing place. Yeah. Really, yeah. Really nice. yeah. Uh, so, so what are some challenges being in that position and, and, and with that diverse set of assets? Um, I think that uh, the uh, biggest challenge is always change is, uh, you know, uh, any, um, anytime you're uh, introducing change into a system, there are gonna be a group of people who are ready for it and embrace it. And there's gonna be a group of people that um, have gotten um, efficient doing things the way they were doing and they don't want to disrupt that. Um, and also balancing uh, that with the direction of the uh, agency. So um, the Park Authority has a, a strategic plan uh, five-year strategic plan, which we align our programs with that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, asset management program is no exception. And we have uh, items on the strategic plan and trying to uh, align the asset management program to achieve the goals set out in the strategic plan, while at the same time making sure that the um, operational uh, uh, operations folks have what they need to continue operating um, and at the same time, modernizing and uh, uh, revamping the program and ultimately the tools that are used to um, mm -hmm. um, basically capture the work that people do. And, you know, asset management, uh, my title is an asset manager, but the real asset managers are people who are operating the um, equipment and they're maintaining it and they're doing condition assessment and it's capturing that work. And um, making sure that we can leverage that data to make um, 
data-driven business decisions uh, as to how to move forward. Should we repair it another time or should we replace it? Or um, do we even want to continue owning this type of assets? Maybe we want to rent it from now on because we don't have a lot of usage. Um, balancing the usage across the um, organization. And there's always going to be a, um, a perception at times where um, you know, change makes uh, some people feel like they're no longer in control of their own destiny, when in, in actuality, what we're trying to work through is uh, um, encourage and create a uh, environment to foster uh, collaboration. So the, each part of the asset lifecycle is kind of handled by a different group of people, whether it's finance or purchasing or planning or construction, to the operational folks to uh, really keep our assets up and going and big thank you to them um to the to when it when the time comes to um, retire the asset so it's really getting all of these different players to um have a forum to capture all of this data so that we can make a better decisions better better and more informed decisions based on more data that's an awesome description of what an asset management management system should do <laughs> uh, I got several questions on that, but first let me ask you, you know, uh, we're always wondering, you know, when discussing how to uh, get counties and states and municipalities and other organizations to consider asset management. Did they, did they have an asset management program before you arrived? And, and how, did, how did they go from not having a one at some point to having one? So they did, the Park Authority has had an asset management program and a CMMS for a, for a long while. Um, we were using a, a, a software system that had kind of uh, reached, uh, we'd reached a point of either upgrading that software um, and, uh, or kind of stepping back saying, okay, do we want to continue on this path? And it was uh, back in uh, 2018 timeframe uh, Park Authority uh, dedicated uh, more resources and uh, personnel and created a, uh, a branch to oversee the asset management program. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, I would say that the agency has been uh, incredibly um, um, supportive of the program and um, uh, and the, they had the foresight to kind of step back and say, okay, the old way of the old technology that we were using obviously mm -hmm. was no longer serving our needs. And what is available now in the market with advancements of technology mm -hmm. will enable us to um, leverage that more um, as we conduct business. Hmm. So technology was a big driver of e the changes. That was a big part of it, yes. Yeah. So as you were talking before, a few minutes ago, I was like taking off my head the ISO 55,000 fundamentals and the, you know, the requirements. And it seems like you were really checking all the boxes. Uh, has, has, are those documents part of your approach or uh, have, have you reached those uh, approaches independent of that? Um, so not, uh, not in a formal fashion, uh, you know, it's not, uh, we're not following the uh, ISO 55,000 guidelines, but uh, what we are um, um, 
doing is uh, trying to align ourselves with uh, industry best practices and uh, align ourselves with uh, um, ASTM. ASTM has a lot of practices, uh, standard practices for um, asset management. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of those documents um, kind of uh, carry the uh, same banner uh, when it comes to uh, stakeholder involvement and having a formalized um, approach to your um, portfolio's uh, life cycle. And so mm -hmm. I think it just, we, we happen to be doing the right thing. <laughs> the, Seems like you've uh, done a really good job of it. Thank you. Uh, so how about the larger county? Does the larger, does Fairfax County have asset management and other? And other um, functions, or, or I, I, there? so I do. We, the county has uh, different um, uh, portion. There are different divisions within the county that um, I would say uh, my counterparts, for example, um, in the school system. But they're really more focused to in the operations part of it. So this, uh -huh. uh, the schools get built and then they are turned over to the operations folks when they go in and tag and identify the assets and create the assets in the uh, inventory so that they can cut work orders against it and observe it and condition and plan maintenance. Um, the within the county there are different uh as i said like for example public works has maintenance and stormwater management division which i used to work at and they handle more the uh, stormwater and the um, uh, transportation so roads and um, um, sidewalks and bridges and trails that the county handles so they kind of manage that port that part of the portfolio um, wow. within the um, greater county um, and you know, I'm not an expert on all the, the divisions yet. You know, every day I, I learn more. Yes, is a huge organization, uh, but there is a um, um, capital facilities development division, which really kind of um, they do a great job at uh, the beginning part of the asset where they uh, asset life cycle or what I call the birth of the asset, where they do the, the planning, the um, um, acquisition, the uh, construction, the change of title, however we want to um, describe that, they, they handle that and then they uh, again turn it over to operations. And for the buildings within the county, there is uh, there is another division that they're responsible for the maintenance of the uh, facilities, mainly vertical assets. So there's yeah. different pieces. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with the the early adopters of ISO 55000 have largely been uh, organizations that the summary refer to as asset intensive organizations, which I think is really a misnomer. Uh, because to me, a restaurant is an asset intensive organization. If they don't have assets, there's no restaurant. Uh, but I think what it is are asset centric organizations. So, you know, the DC Metro, you know, everybody knows it's all about the trains. And if it's about anything else, it's about the buses, you know. Sure. Uh, you know, but a more diverse organization, you know, such as yours, with you know the incredible array of assets, uh, I think there's. It's a little harder to make the the sale, you know, to make the decision to see the value because you have to bring these. You know, everybody's not focused on one thing. It's like, well. 
this, this, and the other thing. Uh, do you think there would be value in Fairfax County taking, I mean, just as an example, uh, you think, do you see potential value in, uh, in counties or, or municipalities having a, you know, more joined up version of asset management? Um, possibly, I mean, it, it uh, certainly, it, I can't think of how it would hurt <laughs> to have that, but I would say, uh, you know, it, it really uh, comes down to the decision of um, what is the intent of the program. Um, if the if you're, for example, for us, the intent of the program is capturing the total cost of ownership. And for that to happen, mm -hmm. we needed to have a program that encompassed uh, the entire asset life cycle, the birth, the use and disposal or the acquisition use disposition. Um, so in our case, it made a uh, great sense to, OK, let's have a program that uh, is coordinating with all the different pieces and uh, we're all marching to the same tune um, with the end goal being capturing the cost. Um, I think that in our case, it has uh, definitely highlighted uh, some areas that we can uh, take advantage of and uh, do things uh, even more efficiently than we're doing it right now. Is, you know, a big topic, and, you know, as we're working, starting to work on the revision, the ISO 55,000 documents. And that brings us back to a discussion of value uh, and how to you know, uh, realize value. My own personal view is a little different than others I've heard is, I think value is, only, you can develop value potential as an organization, but the value is realized by stakeholders. And I think the county is a great example. It's great to have a park, but until somebody walks into the park, what is the value of the park? You know, if it's not, if it's not used, and there could be, you know, there could be negative versions too. You know, you know, the, if you're next to the landfill, that landfill might have negative value to to, to you. Uh, you know, is the, you know, is that kind of stakeholder outcome? Is that is that part of your system, or is that something you have metrics for or try to build in? So um, the, uh, the Park Authority, uh, we have a planning and development division. And mm -hmm. within that, uh, the, our planning group, they do a great job every uh, uh, so many years, they do a needs assessment, which mm -hmm. uh, really uh, gauges what, what does the county need in terms of parks and recreation? Mm -hmm. And uh, with, what direction should we um, head and uh, where are the uh, opportunities and um, that we can leverage. So um, I think in the, ne in the next uh, few years, probably that's gonna be something that uh, we'll uh, uh, revisit. And um, again, like I said, it's a cyclical uh, process and we're coming yeah. up to the next round of that cycle where we get yeah. input on we need more parks or we need more uh, soccer uh, uh, play fields or uh, we need more baseball diamonds or whatever um, the need is or we want to have uh, trails more trail system I mean that our trail system uh, we get a lot of positive feedback from the county residents about uh, the value it adds to their lives. But, um, yeah. but like something that you said about um, being adjacent to uh, 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 
a facility. You know, um, sometimes some of these facilities, you don't have to be an active participant to reap the benefits. For example, you know, having green space, you can be a passive participant by just living nearby, but you're still reaping the benefits of the open space and uh, uh, forested area. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, actually, was at a little involvement in a in a Fairfax County Park issue. I, I think uh, a few years ago we had. I live where I live. I'm surrounded by an organic vegetable farm, totally vegetable farm. Uh, my neighbor is the farm, and one of the people that another young farmer that was working with her, uh, there were there was some land donated to the county, and there was a debate on what they were going to do with the land. And one of the options was to turn it into an urban farm, you know, related mm -hmm. part of it. Right, right. And another option was to build a soccer field, uh, which is like, how do you compare that? You know, uh, but it takes me to, you know, it maybe brings in what we were discussing about equity on, on Tuesday with Governor O'Malley is, uh, you know, how do you weigh that, you know, you know, one uh, one issue might have very large, you know, constituency behind it, or a very powerful constituency, or a very influential constituency, or might use social media, as, as uh, Governor O'Malley pointed out, might use social media very effectively. And another constituency uh, that really should be considered might not be you know, have the advantage on any of those. And that the, you know, how that, you know, so how that decision gets made is, is a really interesting and uh, to a large extent, you know, asset management decision. Uh, yeah, so um, the, uh, what we do is uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, no notices and public hearings uh, for any kind of uh, major projects. And uh, we capture the uh, um, residents' uh, um, uh, input on uh, what is the direction that should be taken or what are the reasons for and what are the reasons against. Um, so there is a public process part of this that um, uh, for each one of the uh, projects that gets executed. Um, we're also, the Fairfax County also has a uh, um, equity uh, uh, program um, and the equity office produces uh, um, some metrics that are uh, um, based on what is called the vulnerability index. And the vulnerability index takes into account uh, different data points, um, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, diversity, um, uh, socioeconomic uh, data points. Um, and uh, uh, what we try to do is leverage these uh, uh, existing data points in our processes, um, in, the, in the public process. And um, in terms of, uh, for example, um, uh, uh, we're working on incorporating that into the uh, um, our asset uh, criticality, which informs uh, um, hmm. asset maintenance. So, you know, um, if if a uh, if a particular asset is in a highly vulnerable area, it would have a higher vulnerability score, amongst many others. It's not the only data hmm. point, but that's one of the data points that we are uh, working on incorporating. 
and then the TCO is is figured into that as well. So the TCO, we it uh, we are working towards creating that uh, framework and the uh, technology to capture it. Um, we have great uh, uh, estimates as to how much uh, different types of facilities cost us. And uh, our hope is to um, leverage uh, the uh, program and the technology to really talk about the particulars, mm -hmm. uh, not just the types and um, kind of uh, have, a, have the ability to report at a, you know, maybe at a park level, um, what is the total cost for this park? And that would be a, a, a um, basically boiling up in the, in the family of assets that creates that park, all the different costs associated with the different mm -hmm. family members yeah. and to that um, group or that park. A family of assets. I'm going to use that. That's good. <laughs> Did you just make that up, or do you use it? No, I, I use that all the time. Because <laughs> okay. uh, the you know we got our classification, and then we got our hierarchy, and the hierarchy is the is going to be a family of asset that serves that park. Nice. Well, awesome. You make me well, proud to live. Been in a it. really yeah. been a really good discussion, and uh, um, there's a. a couple questions that uh, maybe you can get to in overtime. Um, sure. uh, what uh, uh, asset management successes have you had? Uh, what have you implemented in your time there and what do you consider your success? But before we get to those, I'd like to announce that uh, in our overtime section for the people who can uh, stick around, um, we are, uh, uh, welcoming Chris Silkey. Chris Silkey is the Parks and Recreation Asset Manager for Portland, Oregon. And oh. he is uh, active in the ALN Advancing Equity with Asset uh, Leadership. So before we go into wow. time, I wanna let people uh, uh, be able to leave if, if they have to. And I did not show the slides earlier. So here are the slides. Uh, thank you to our organizational members. Uh, especially this month, uh, Uberlytics and Mentor APM, the uh, sister companies, uh, which if you didn't see uh, last week's Thursday at four, we had a lot of fun and that's a good one. And next week's is also guaranteed to be a good one. Gary Marrow is the uh, vice president of facilities for the Atlanta Airline Terminal Company. And they have uh, had some of their critical facility assets uh, certified to ISO 55,000 once. And then in the recertification, they have expanded that. So um, while I let uh, uh, Chris in, uh, could you address the, you know, what you have done, uh, what do you consider you know, your achievements and uh, what's your biggest success? So I would say that um, I'm, I'm answering that question with, with my particular uh, position. I would say that uh, we were successful in a very short period of time um, uh, right when COVID hit, our uh, work order management uh, system needed to be replaced, and we were successful in, uh, uh, while uh, staying remote, interview our different parts of our organization and create the business flow maps and the, uh, um, all the different um, documentation that we needed to configure an entirely new system. Mm -hmm. And uh, we tackled it in three phases. 
And uh, within a uh, very short uh, time frame of, I think we set out in uh, March to implement an entire new work order management system. And uh, we went, our go live was uh, for the first phase was, um, I believe, July 1st. So in that time frame, we were successful in uh, uh, collaborating with our um, IT folks, with all the operational folks, with everybody in the park authority to kind of make this a priority with the understanding that um, the system would enable us to uh, leverage it for uh, communication. So in terms of a particular um, work order, when it was created, um, the system is now being utilized and provides transparency to the end user who filed the ticket um, as to the progress, who's the owner of the ticket, um, you know, uh, has it been closed, is it open, what's the status, and so on. So I think um, that was a, uh, that's something that I'm uh, proud of to say that uh, we were able to accomplish, especially with COVID. Uh, last year was incredibly challenging, as I'm sure everybody knows. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's that's great. Thank you. I'd like to. Uh, it's my pleasure, actually, to introduce uh, Chris and Malik. And um, since you have uh, similar, you know, similar, exact same jobs, um, well, uh, Chris, did you learn anything? Yeah, that was fascinating. And. And Malik, that's a tremendous accomplishment in switching over or implementing a new work order system and such a complex system that has vertical, horizontal, linear, natural built assets is phenomenal. And I know we're actually contemplating uh, changing systems in the near future. And by in the near future, I mean, probably a couple of years and it's going to be a couple year effort to make that happen. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. So one thing that's really interesting to me is I've actually been searching out other asset managers in the parks and rec industry and, and they're actually, are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe this is the two of us, right? <laughs> you right. Know? There, there's not a lot. And, and it's interesting. There, there's no real standards for the industry in the US. So I've looked to Australian, New Zealand standards. And um, yeah, so I, I hope that it's a movement that just gains momentum within the parks and rec industry as a whole. So I agree. Yeah. I think that um, and I have uh, and Jim can talk to this more than I can. But Australia is, is a great uh, um, uh, source of uh, uh, asset management guidelines and documentation. But um, I think one thing that um, really uh, we're hoping to leverage is adopting a classification system. And um, we're adopting OmniClass. So I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. have considered using it, um, but we're, we've adopted OmniClass because uh, of the flexibility it provides. So it's not just Uniformat or AIA, mm -hmm. um, it, but it also gives you uh, the flexibility to have. Because being a, a park authority, it's almost like being a small state because you have roads, you have uh, uh, open land, you have uh, nature, you have natural resources, you have all these operational uh, 
facilities that are going on. So it's very uh, complex. Right. And I was also um, excited to hear the use of the Fairfax County Vulnerability Index. Um, we use something similar and uh, we include youth because it pertains directly to our mission. So, okay. so as an additional indicator and you know, one time we actually did track it, that there, there was an issue, um, a safety issue with, with some types of playground equipment. And so we had to quickly um, close things and remove things and, and move through the system rather rapidly. Um, so that meant people were without beloved playground equipment for yeah. a period of time. Yeah. And, and we tracked the phone calls and the emails that we got in response to that. Yeah. And of course, you know, as you can expect, the um, more connected, politically connected or, or wealthier neighborhoods mm -hmm. actually did advocate for their system. And, and we, we used that indicator of vulnerability to prioritize the actual work. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting when we followed That's that indicator, great. went straight to that one, looked at the log, there were no calls there wasn't a single call from, from that neighborhood. And I think it just kind of was like, wow, you, you, you know, people who, who need these assets need the infrastructure the most and, and they're not advocating it. So that just kind of reinforced the point that you really have to be proactive and intentional with where the investments are made and, and not just, you know, follow the advocacy. You're exactly correct, yeah. Um, and, and the advocacy is, uh, is important, you know, we have a lot of uh, um, uh, friends of the park where we are, which they are, uh, they contribute just an immense amount to the park system. Um, we have a uh, park foundation uh, that contributes to the park system in an immense amount as well. And our volunteers are just fantastic. Thank you to all of them. Um, it's, but there is the, so, the, I don't think that we could exist without the advocacy, but I do agree with you that um, it is it is important to consider those um, factors that define criticality. So, in your scenario, in your particular case that you described, you know, criticality of that asset was defined by how many phone calls or emails you got about it. So, uh, you know, that's a really good. Um, way of measuring it, a metric of, of getting the kind of the feel uh, for what's out there, what's the need. Well, and we and have a to, question. Well, and just let me make a clarification quickly that we, we didn't follow the phone calls. Oh, we, okay. We, we followed the vulnerability metric. Okay, gotcha. And, and it was interesting that when we followed that, we, we looked had there been any phone calls from that neighborhood and there were not. Oh, so wow. it, it reinforced the, the need to, to actually use some proactive approach. So I'm, I'm okay. sorry, there's a, there was a question, Mike. Uh, no, thank you for making that clarification. Thank you, yeah. Really I misunderstood, thank you. No, that's all right. Um, um, yes, Jennifer, Jennifer Zach from Uberlytics and Mentor APM, um, uh, has a question for Malik about the uh, what system did you implement? But she also makes a comment that uh, well, she really likes the discussion. But uh, um, Canada has resources for public asset management also, 
And so then uh, for both of you, what are some of the unique challenges of addressing management of natural assets? But first, if you can talk about the software program. Yeah, so we are actually uh, implemented a uh, an occurrence of an existing system that we had, which is uh, a uh, it's a solar winds product, uh, but we configured it to uh, manage our um, um, uh, work order system and uh, track the uh, different uh, work orders that we have. Uh, the mainly focus was demand work, not as much. Uh, um, planned work, but we have slowly incorporated planned work as well. And we're tagging it to our existing um, asset inventory. Uh, of course, we're going to refine, the plan is to, you know, refine the asset inventory and uh, make it more accurate as uh, time goes on. I hope that answers the question. And we're not done. This is, uh, this is for us an interim. We're still uh, looking to uh, identify a, a more capable technical solution. And the question about natural uh, assets. What's the challenges of managing natural assets? Um, Chris, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's it's a great question because it was it was one of the more unique challenges when I when I started here with Parks and Rec. I'll say trees and urban forestry is a relatively mature. Uh, model, you, you know, just as an industry, it's pretty well understood. There's good data models and, and actually most major cities have done street tree and other tree inventories and it's down. <laughs> um, natural areas, wetlands, forests, the, those types of, of assets, there's not a lot of standards out there. And, and in fact, we've, we've started, um, essentially trying to figure this out. And there was there some old, there, there's a few things out there, but just to try to get comparability. So if I have a dollar and I wanna invest for maximum value, yeah. do I invest in open space park, irrigation trails or in the natural area? And, and so to get that kind of consistency, we, we do not have a condition assessment model or a function assessment model for that yet. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that and, and, and just add that a lot of the value for a lot of these places is the access itself, but often that's built infrastructure. It's trails, you know, it's trailheads, it's restrooms and things. Like that. So we do have models for that. It's, it's the, the actual natural asset itself that lacks a model. And I know Chris has a hard stop in just a minute. So Chris, if you have to uh, uh, go, that's great. We'll take uh, Malik's uh, answer. And thank you for popping in. That was really nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, let's touch base some, sometime, Malik. All right, Absolutely. I'll send an email to the both of you. Yes. Thank Good. you. Thanks for connecting us. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Um, OK, so I would say that um, uh, for natural resources, I agree with with a, what, a lot of what Chris said. Um, I think uh, what the focus uh, needs to be is creating that framework. So when we are uh, discussing, um, let's say we're talking about reinvestment based on condition, if if our trails are uh, measured in a condition rating that's got you know let's say A through uh, 
I don't know, A, B, C, D, let's say four. And let's say our, um, our HVAC system's got five rating system and our natural resources got a three point rating system. So I think creating a framework that everything is at least measured in a, in a five category gauge system and uh, leveraging those, uh, uh, like Chris said, there are a lot of documentation about, for example, for wetlands and uh, you know, streams and what defines the health of a wetland and stream. And uh, we have a natural resources branch um, which, uh, with folks that that's their expertise. So we would work with them to uh, create those um, categories and walk them back to the five, let's say. And so the entire portfolio, you can see it in a five rating category. It doesn't matter if it's a golf course or a wetland or a trail. Thanks. All right, Mike, what do you think? We, we could go on forever. Uh, yeah, we really can. Um, <laughs> I see that uh, we can have a park and recreations asset uh, leadership board, and I know which two people could be co-chairs. But uh, <laughs> um, Jim, do you have a closing question? I'll let you end it. Uh, do I have a closing question? I don't think I do. I just want to say thank you and makes me... Uh, proud to live in Fairfax, Ken, that you're taking all those things into consideration. You know, I've had Thank some uh, interaction. I've lived here where I live for many years, uh, but didn't really know much about, you know, their local government. And I think, you know, I've learned a lot about it and I've learned a lot more about how it works today and, and how decisions are made internally, uh, just beyond the asset management question. So uh, thanks for what you do and thanks Thank you. for sharing with us today. Of course, thank you. It's great to be a part of a uh, um, a county and an organization that is uh, very thoughtful and has great leadership. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, this is what we're trying to do. Great example. So uh, uh, look forward to uh, your involvement on an ongoing basis. We hope. Would we would be happy to. Thank you, everyone. Thanks again to Thank our uh, sponsors and to all the attendees uh, who increased as the event went on. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. It was great. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thanks, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we would like to thank the Andrew James Advisory Group for their sponsorship. For more information about AJAG and their services, please visit www.andrewjamesadvisory.com or email info at andrewjamesadvisory.com. You can find this and other podcasts, videos, papers, and more at assetleadership.net.